Welcome to Pillar and Ground Podcast. I'm Will Nettleton, pastor of mission and worship at LMPC. And this episode is a Pillar and Ground questions episode where we seek to provide biblical perspective for today's pressing questions. And I'm excited to have returning guests on Pillar and Ground today, David and Awen Stoddard, who are uh, missions partners of ours serving with MTW in Europe. Welcome, David and Awen. Thanks for coming back. Thank you. It's our pleasure to be back. So I'll give just a kind of the quick bio information, but would love for y'all to talk just by way of reminder for perhaps our people who uh, missed the last episode or were not here when you gave your report earlier this year. Just a quick overview of your ministry. The the boilerplate that I read from your from your card is David. You serve as the international director for Europe, overseeing MTW's vision, values, and personnel in Europe. And A, when you assist David in his role uh, in supporting church planting through evangelism, teaching, and outreach for refugees. But if you had to give just kind of the, um, maybe the more conversational form, uh, what, what do you guys do for MTW? Yeah, so we have been with MTW in Germany since 2001, primarily involved in church planting, evangelism, theological education, refugee ministry, young adult ministry, so the gamut. Yes. <laughs> the first half of our time was based in Eastern Berlin, so think atheistic, post-communistic, mm. and then the second half of our time was on the west side of Berlin in a more multicultural environment where we focus more on refugees. Great. And now overseeing all of the uh, MTW work in Europe, correct? Correct. Okay. So um, I think for context for our listeners who want to hear more about your ministries, we do have that episode in the feed. You can scroll back up uh, and look for that to hear more about the Stoddard's ministry. But today we wanted to invite you guys back to get your perspective on one of the questions that comes up as we think about supporting missions and engaging in missions as believers and followers of Jesus, which is how do we steward our resources uh, as supporting churches, but also as people who are thinking about missions, where we go, all of those kinds of questions. And a sub-question of that is, shouldn't we just go to where people have not heard the gospel, what are classically called unreached people groups? And so we wanted to bring you in to discuss this question because obviously you serve in Europe. People might conceive of that as a place where the gospel has had its moment, uh, where the gospel has been proclaimed. So how would you respond to a person who asks something like, why do missions in Europe? It's a question I get uh, often as international director because, one, everyone assumes as international director for Europe, you know everything about Europe. <laughs> right. um, but it is a legitimate question, and one I actually I'm, um, I'm fairly passionate about answering mm. uh, because I do want, uh, aside from all the strategy um, and oversight aspects of my job, I want to excite people. Uh, yeah. to missions in Europe. I want to call people. I want to challenge uh, people, churches, uh, mm. to consider missions. So it's one, it's a question I've had to wrestle with. And there's two, if I were to kind of break your question down, there's actually two two parts to that. Mm. One is the, um, the, uh, the question that you didn't formulate like this, but I will because it's, <laughs> it's in our minds. Um, you know, wouldn't we get more bang for our missionary buck yeah. um, if we were to send missionaries to, you know, to where the Holy Spirit seems to be more evident in, yeah. in producing fruit and planting churches and, and disciples made and so forth. The, but the second question that you, you had was in, interesting as well is, um, you know, if we have a strategy or focus on unreached people you know, groups, 
does Europe fit that? Hmm. So there's two different questions right. uh, that, that you've posed. To the um, sort of the first, and I'll try to keep this fairly brief. Um, to the first, I would uh, be one of the first to acknowledge, along with a lot of other missiologists, um, Europe has has had a rough century and a half, mm. uh, spiritually speaking. You know, and Andrew Walls, a missiologist, a Scottish missiologist, has shown how the you know the, the shift statistically from Europe to the global South, where the church is growing. So. A little over a hundred years ago, two thirds of um, two thirds of the world's Christians were in Europe. Mm. Uh, now that shifted to two thirds are really in the global South. So yeah, it's true. Um, Europe has has had a rough time, and you, you look at the statistics of young adults. You know, sixteen to twenty nine year olds. Mo- I mean, 60, 70, 80 in some countries. Ninety percent um, are unbelievers. They have no mm. concept um, for God. So yeah, uh, it is dark. Uh, but I, I guess what I would, the question that I would, or the, a couple of observations, one, uh, when you look at history, church history, you, you, we need to recognize that uh, the vast majority of some of the world's major intellectual and spiritual movements have come from Europe. So you think of the Reformation, you think of the Enlightenment, Marxism. Um, you know, and, and so forth. They're, they're, those are all originate from Europe. So Europe mm. still is uh, an intellectual center, or has, still has intellectual effects uh, on the rest of the world. Mm. The second the point I would uh, emphasize is when you look at who's training the, the leaders of tomorrow. Europe is still a place where people go uh, for education. So in the U.S., we have about 750,000 international students, uh, whereas Europe, that's tri- it's triple that number. Wow. So if we want to influence uh, the business leaders who then return to countries around the globe, I think we need to focus on uh, RUF or collegiate ministries Mm -hmm. reaching out to college students because those are uh, the global leaders of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, And the third thing I would... I would bring out is uh, is the fact that Europe is exporting. If Europe is only one third believers, and you look at what ex- the the impact Europe is having on the rest of the world, it is exporting the world's largest growing religion, unbelief. Mm. So if we believe that, and the, the illustration that I've used, and it, it works in my mind, hopefully it'll be somewhat <laughs> persuasive in other people's minds, is when you when, take the, uh, the, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC as an example, when the CDC finds an outbreak of, let's just take you know, an example as if there was a global pandemic recently, um, <laughs> but let's say there was one, uh, what are the, what's the, one of the first questions they ask? Where did it originate? Mm-hmm. How do we go to the source? Because at the source is where you find the solution. Mm. So I would say, if I can use that as, a, as an analogy, mm. if we want to find the source for solving or addressing the world's unbelief, mm. as, it, as it, the, the, the rise of the nuns, the right. rise of secular humanism, I would argue we need to go back to Europe. Mm. Uh, and I think we need to find it and test it and see what's working in Europe because it's there, it's prevalent, it's mm. pervasive, it is powerfully affecting all of Europe. So that would just be answering the bang for your buck question right. um, by countering it with a, we need to think strategically question. Mm. That would be the answer to the first. Yeah, and so, and you mentioned a second question there. So you had the, the first one of the bang for your buck question. And then a question about whether Europe when we talk about unreached people groups, whether Europe actually would qualify with, within some of that terminology, would you just speak to that? Yeah, it's as it's well? a it's a it's a complicated hmm. um, 
issue, and I, I don't want to simplify it too much, the, the issue of reform, you know, of unreached people groups, but there's typically two ways uh, that you, you measure an unreached people group. One would be a percentage uh, like 2% is mm-hmm. usually the number that's thrown out. 2% uh, are believers. Right. Uh, and if you're under that, then you're unreached. If you're over that, then you're something else. Mm-hmm. Um, the other way of uh, of addressing or looking at that question is not percent, you know, putting a percentage to it, but looking at um, the the capability of any one country or area or people group to to plant churches mm. to affect others for the gospel. In other words, there are the resources, access to resources, the structure for resources to see uh, to see the church grow. And I would actually say, from my perspective, doesn't matter which one of those it is. Europe is is mm. is close to certainly uh, many, you know, a number of the countries are under two percent. Especially when you begin to look at just evangelical believers, mm. um, we're, you know, many are under two. But then if you add Reformed evangelical believers, we're talking a minuscule percentage of most countries. But as far as the question of resources, admittedly, it's it's a bit more complicated, but mm-hmm. I would still say there are so many countries in Europe that lack the resources, lack access to resources, lack the structure for resources, uh, making them uh, an unreached people group. Would y'all speak, too, to just, um, and Eowyn, this may be one that you can um, contribute to as well here, just the even the conversation around unreached people groups I have to imagine migration plays a part in that conversation as well. As we see immigrants moving across uh, the world, mo- moving from the global south, often many of those immigrants are are making their way towards Europe. Uh, of course, there are you know, other Western countries as well. But so when we talk about some of those people groups, um, some of them actually are showing up in Europe. They're studying at universities. They're making their way as refugees. Could you all speak to just that dynamic uh, as it applies to missions in Europe? Yeah, that's a very interesting dynamic, and we have experienced it firsthand when we had the the first refugee crisis, and people were streaming in to Europe, streaming in to Germany. Uh, I think in Europe there's like 2.2 million mm. refugees. I think in Germany it's they have half of that <laughs> that number, uh, and a lot of those people are came to Berlin, the capital. Mm. So um, the numbers were staggering. And interestingly enough, a lot of them are coming from these unreached people groups. Mm. So they're coming from places that we might consider closed countries, Mm. um, uh, primarily Muslim countries or countries with dictators. And they flee and arrive in Germany, which which has freedom of religion. Mm. And a lot of them are really asking a lot of questions. And they have the freedom in Europe, in Germany, to ask those questions and for example, to convert. So mm. where they live, there's no freedom to convert. If they convert, they're dead, mm. <laughs> right? Mm. So they come to Europe and they have that freedom, and so they explore a lot. And uh, we've had multiple people come to the church saying, I am coming with one purpose, and that is to convert wow. to Christianity. I want to leave my prior religion behind. Mm. I want, uh, I want, yeah, a new, a new religion. Mm. So in that sense, they then in turn, if they do convert, they have inroads with their families and friends back home. We had situations in church where someone would be on their iPhone streaming the service Mm. to their family back home who are all sitting in the living room and they're 
translating into Farsi or whatever language, mm. you know, the service. Mm. Same in Bible study or WhatsApp groups where um, we'll be doing a Bible study and someone's typing these answers to wow. their relatives back home who are also curious, but wow. they can't pursue going to a church. Right. So that has been a very interesting dynamic mm. um, where unreached people groups are coming to Europe. Now, obviously, that changes them culturally mm. as well. Mm. You might argue that's no longer the same people group because mm. after a generation, their you know their kids are going to be pretty much bicultural or become more and more German. So you might say, well, they're not able then to go back and reach mm. that that people group. But everything is so fluid nowadays. Yeah. It's definitely having an impact uh, back in those countries that are unreached. Right. And they have the language and the culture. They really are the best bridges back into their own home culture for the sake of the gospel. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, just from an investment of resources standpoint, there's the the reality of being able to reach the secularized post-Christian, you know, perhaps native Germans, but there's also immigrants coming in who are flowing back and forth between their home country and Germany and other parts of Western Europe where you're seeing the gospel penetrate those communities as well. Um, I feel like one of the, you know, the, perhaps this is too obvious of an answer to why missions in Europe, but I, I know from reading MTW newsletters and hearing from you all that one of the reasons is because God is at work in Europe, uh, that God is still has a purpose for what he's doing uh, in all of those places. And I know y'all have a unique perspective because you kind of get to see the whole um, of what is going on. You get kind of a 30,000 foot view. So would you just, you know, maybe if there's something that comes to mind, a, a story or two of just how, how God is at work through MTW missionaries that's encouraging you right now? Uh, yeah, so I mean, for us personally, uh, having spent the first 10 years uh, in East Berlin, working primarily with atheists, where on average, it maybe took 10 years for an atheist to come to Christ. Yeah. It was very slow, and the fruit seemed to be quite minimal. Yeah. Even though in God's grace, a church was planted, the amount of effort and the amount of resources and mm. the amount of prayer, and you know, it, it's a huge investment, mm. and it is worth the investment. I'm not saying it's not worth it, mm. but in comparison to the, that second half, where we were having people come prepared to hear the gospel, who were coming, knocking at the church door saying, please tell me about Jesus. I mean, we never had that question before, <laughs> you know, in our lives. Yeah. So God is on the move, mm. especially with the, the immigrants and the refugees, and they in turn inject that mm. new life, you know, and that new excitement about mm. being a follower of Christ back in mm. to the German church. Mm. So it is it is a beautiful thing to see that happening. Um, so that's one thing I could say. The other thing that I find very, very encouraging, I'm also part of, it's a network kind of like the Gospel co Coalition in Germany. Mm -hmm. And these this coalition has a yearly conference where they invite I don't know, a big name speaker to come speak. And that conference attracts about a thousand people, mm. I would say. And every year they, they ask, or you know how they welcome people at a conference, stand mm. up if you're, you know, <laughs> see who came the, from the furthest away. Right. But sometimes they'll do it by age group. And last time I was there, um, about 
80% of the people who stood up were under 25. Wow. So, and these are young people coming to a conference to learn about Christ-centered teaching mm. and preaching, uh, reform theology, there's renewed interest in reform theology. This is new. Mm. This is very new for us and very exciting. Mm. So we're seeing a lot more interest, um, not just from non-Christians, but also Christians wanting to grow in their faith and more and more young people going into church planting, which is super exciting as well. That's amazing. Yeah. From my perspective, and this might be answering too much on a macro level, but just some of the trends that I find encouraging. Uh, well, one, we'll start in Berlin. Uh, I was thankful and surprised uh, to to find out there were uh, you know, quadruple um, the number of church plants when uh, when we left there in 2020, you know, uh, earlier this year compared to when we started. Hmm. Uh, so I, you know, and it's changing the spiritual landscape of Berlin. Hmm. Uh, so we've been a part of a team that's helped plant five churches uh, in Berlin. We've been a part of two of those. But what surprised me is when I asked, so what are the new church plants in the city to find there were, there were, you know, a hundred new wow. church plants uh, in, in that period of time. Hmm. So just thinking there's a renewed interest in church planting uh, hmm. that I think is in, in, in encouraging. The second thing that, again, this is more on a macro level, I keep finding more and more people interested in training church planters. Yeah. So I think there's been perhaps a trend uh, that if you have a seminary degree, um, you, you, it qualifies you to go out to church plant to realizing, no, there actually are uh, specific uh, skills. Hmm. Uh, it, certainly character competencies, but skills that are needed to uh, to to launch an effective uh, and healthy church plant. So I'm seeing all kinds of uh, a renewed interest in uh, in church planting training. So I think those are it's trending in a good direction. I don't want to you know uh, give the impression that revival is breaking out all over mm. the place, and I don't want to to paint too rosy of a picture. But when I look at it, I think. Um, the refugee crisis, the, which has produced an identity crisis uh, in Europe, is actually bringing Europeans back to a place of answer, answering healthy questions. Who are we? Mm. Uh, what, what makes us us uh, <laughs> as new Europeans? And then realizing maybe all the boundaries and borders that we've created aren't the most helpful way of defining us. Mm. Um, so it's kind of it, it, it's it's kind of an existential crisis that I think actually opens all kinds of doors to talking about the gospel, who we are in Christ. So uh, you know, there's a number of trends that I would just say I think the Holy Spirit is is very much at work mm. uh, in Europe, um, and I keep pleading the case. It's an exciting time to be uh, to be a missionary uh, mm. in Europe right now. That's awesome. Well, David Awen, thank you so much for coming and spending some time helping us think uh, about that question. We're very thankful for your partnership, very thankful for MTW uh, and all that y'all are doing for the gospel in Europe. And thank you for listening to this episode of Pillar and Ground. We hope you will join us for future episodes.